0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Are you pushing back the
1: enemy in your life and in this world? Are you holding the beast at bay? Because if you're not daily saturating your mind with the word, living out what you say you believe, trusting in the sovereignty of God, praying and worshiping with your brothers and sisters, if you're not encroaching on the enemy's territory, can I just tell you he's encroaching on yours?
0: Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. My name's Aaron and you are listening to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. Today we're continuing Pastor Jeff's message looking at Revelation chapter 13 from our series titled Don't Panic. Now this series is going to be taking a look at what the book of Revelation has to teach us today. It's the book where John records his apocalyptic visions. So, let's see what else Pastor Jeff can unpack from these passages as we finish this episode today on Revelation chapter 13. He's also going to attempt to answer the question that so many people are asking, when will the end come? Here's Pastor Jeff.
1: Of all the things you do with your day that God has given you, the first 15 minutes are the most important. Because if you don't start your day under the influence and power of God, I have prayed for years, I have prayed this prayer in the morning, God, bring the Holy Spirit to the forefront of my life. What do I mean by that? Everything I read, everything I hear, everything I have to react to today, let it be filtered by the truth of the Holy Spirit in me so that the first thing that I do is know what the will of God is in this particular setting. What is the way of the world system? You can can really uh, summarize it in, in two ideas. The evil one's world system tells you that you make your decisions based on if it makes you feel good. And second, it's the age old question in the garden, did God really say that? Did God really say that homosexuality and lesbianism is a sin? To practice those things? To cheat on your wife or husband? Is that really a sin? To sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend before I married? Is that really, did God really say that? Did God really say we're created in his image? That's the flow. <laughs> That's not God. But you're bombarded with it. At school, university, Hollywood, television, Spotify, whatever it is, coming at you all the time. The flow is so strong, and if you're not renewing your mind all the time, you'll be sucked in. You're not that strong. I just wonder if someday there will be so many Christ followers, when they hear those words, I never knew you, I think they will be so surprised and I wonder if God would say, I sent you warnings day after day. My prophets warned you. My preachers pleaded with you. I gave you my word again and again and again. And if you'd paid attention, you would have read. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, First Corinthians ten, twelve. First Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. First Corinthians 16, 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. First Peter 5, 8 through 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Ephesians 6:11. put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil But you got caught up in the flow because you didn't take the battle seriously You thought you could just mosey on through life With no intentionality with no clear direction And the flow got you So you pursue the same things That everyone else pursues you look like people of the world And I wonder if God would say how did you miss that did you think I was kidding Did you think somehow this didn't apply to you, that direction, not intention, determines destination? You may want to get there, but did you restructure your life in such a way? Were there disciplines in your life to pursue the things of God? If not, of course you fell into the flow and were dragged away from me. If you're not pushing back evil every day of your life, evil will be pulling you in. You are in a constant 24-hour spiritual tug-of-war. And if you're not pulling, it's pulling you. If you're not tugging, you're being tugged until you find yourself in a flow that's extremely difficult to escape. You will find yourself in a spiritual tsunami. You've been there for so long. And that's why young adults, when they tell me, you know, Pastor Jeff, I believe the Christian stuff, but I'm kind of going to have a little fun in my life early on. Later in life, I'll come to Jesus. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because by that time, you realize the small percentage of people who make a decision for Jesus in older age, you're so deep into the flow, your head's underwater, you're in a spiritual tsunami that you can't find or see your way out. A great example of what I'm trying to express happened on, anybody know this date, June 6, 1944, d D-Day. The price paid to secure Omaha Beach was enormous. 4,413 men died that day. And at the end of the day, just a small piece of land had been secured. In fact, at the end of D-Day, in one sense, nothing much had changed. The vast majority of Europe was still under the power of the swastika. Evil was still on the throne of this world. In fact, there was only a small plot of ground, a few feet of sand on an obscure stretch of beach that was not under the domination of the enemy. But on the other hand, everything changed now because there was a small opening, a small crack, a tiny crack that would get larger and larger and stronger and stronger every day. There's still a lot of fighting to do, but day after day, the enemy's hold over, the entire continent was weakening. Then came the day when Paris was liberated, and then France, and then the concentration camps, and people were overjoyed, dancing in the streets. And then came the day when Hitler, the beast Hitler, who is a type of beast, Not the only one, but a type of beast was destroyed. Nuremberg, the trials of judgment came. Finally, the war was over. The enemy defeated. V-Day, victory and celebration. But the point is the victory, listen now, listen. The victory is won by constantly pushing back the enemy one day at a time habitually. Look, folks, I'm trying to tell you I know what this is like. I'm a pastor. And sometimes I'll be in the Word, and I'm reading the Scripture, and I'm preparing sermons, and then sometimes I'll go away on vacation, and it's amazing how I conveniently forget to do those things. It's like, well, I need a break from God. And it's only a matter of time before the thoughts that enter my mind, the temptations that come, it's amazing. It is a constant battle. That the system or world order in which we are in, as it is governed by Satan himself, was to destroy you. Look, that's why we go to church. It's why we read our Bibles. It's why we journal our thoughts. It's why we spend time in prayer. It's why we're in community groups doing life together. Not that we're trying to earn salvation, but we're trying to stay out of the flow. Look, physical atrophy is harsh. I hate physical atrophy. and I've been fighting it for a long time. I'm just tired of fighting it, man. If you don't put the resources to work that God gave you, you will just, day after day, weaker and weaker, and you like playing golf, you won't be playing any golf. But spiritual atrophy, if physical atrophy can do this, do you realize that if you don't put or use the resources God has given you, you will disintegrate spiritually? Do you understand that? You think the Bible was just a project God did for fun? You think church and worship... God established his church and the gates of Hades will never prevail against it. Will it prevail against you? Are you pushing back the enemy in your life and in this world? Are you holding the beast at bay? Because if you're not daily saturating your mind with the word, living out what you say you believe, trusting in the sovereignty of God, praying and worshiping with your brothers and sisters, if you're not encroaching on the enemy's territory, can I just tell you he's encroaching on yours? There is no neutral ground here. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. How do we respond? One, with patient endurance. Expect the world to deteriorate, but don't allow it to pull you into the flow. Keep tugging away with the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines of your life. Second, quickly and finally, with faithfulness. Stand your ground while the world tries to pull you away. Do you remember the California wildfires? Uh, 2017, I believe, and the story that came out about a dog named Odin. Roland Handel, as his home is burning, had to make a split decision. Force his dog, Odin, into the car or leave him behind. Problem is, he goes on to say, Odin refused to leave the eight goats he has been assigned to protect from coyotes and mountain lions. At night, Odin simply will not leave his post. So while the fires are burning, Roland Handel says, the dog owner says, when I approached him, that is Odin, to carry him away to save him from the fires, he sat down in front of the goats and growled. He was not moving. He was not leaving his post. And Mr. Handel said, the flames were racing toward my property. There was no time to load the goats or to try to get them on board. I had my 14-year-old daughter. We had to get out of there and get out of there now. We barely escaped with our lives. And if you know the rest of the story, 40 people died in that fire, 5,700 homes destroyed. The story goes on to say the next day he fought his way through traffic and roadblocks to arrive back at his home to find everything destroyed except for Odin who was there waiting for them with all eight goats. He goes on and he says, he had risked his life to stand his ground and stay true to his calling. His fur was singed, his paws were badly burned. He was limping, clearly exhausted, often lying down, but he never left his post. He had to have taken the goats to higher ground, but now he's home again. This is about as practical a sermon as I can ever preach to you. The world's gonna do a number on us and it's coming. Will you stand your ground when the world falls apart around you? Will you keep your post when the flames rage against you? Will you exhibit staying power when all of culture, morally speaking, is moving away from God? Will you stand your ground in love, in love, but will you stand your ground when your marriage struggles, when your children walk away, when people you thought you could trust get caught in the flow of the world and disappoint you, when you find it difficult to remain pure? Will you stand your ground? Will you follow Jesus or will you look for another branch? From the very first moment, Jesus brought the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm afraid that we're not preaching this anymore. Many who claimed to follow Jesus faded away almost instantaneously. John 6, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Will you going to go to something temporary that you're eventually going to lose Or will you be like the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4? Don't you love it when we just read the Bible, folks? The Bible. It's a beautiful thing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Now, we've read that passage, haven't we? We stop there. We never read the next verse because it does this. It says this in verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. There's always going to be deserters who love the world so much they just cannot pay the price, the cost. But for those who fight this battle, who stand to their ground, who remain at their post like Odin, you may find yourself limping, clearly exhausted, often having to lay down, but you will find your way home, your ultimate home. And Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your joy and rest. You know why, you know why he says enter into your rest, right? Because you're tired. Anybody tired? Anybody had enough? But stand your ground, stand your post. And when you're in heaven with God for the billionth year, the pain and disappointment of this world is gonna seem hardly worth mentioning, right? That's what Paul says in Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, before we hit the beast of the earth next week, what are we to expect? Pain, suffering, and death in an evil world system. How do we respond? We endure with faithfulness. And then that third question, when will the end come? Boy, I've been waiting for this, Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff knows. He knows. He he told us. That's right. Nobody knows. Matthew 24, 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So even Jesus, in his human form, was not aware of the day. Only God knows that. However, later on in that passage, listen carefully now. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Listen to this next verse very carefully. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Say what? Wait a minute. How could that be? That can only ring true if these types of events happen in every generation. See, when you start trying to pinpoint Matthew 24 and all of Revelation, in some period that only the book of Revelation and those signs and wonders that we hear about in Matthew 24 and Revelation 13, or all through the book of Revelation happened in only one time period. Matthew, That passage makes no sense. But if you understand how apocalyptic literature is written, that these types of events will start in the day of John, in the day when Jesus established his kingdom until the time he returns. And all these governments and these blasphemers we've been talking about, they were happening in John's day and not that, even that generation didn't pass away before these types of things began happening. However, when will the end come? Are there signs? Now listen carefully. Disclaimer, I don't know everything and this is my view of Revelation and I base it on the oldest view interpretation of Revelation is cyclical. I believe that people who interpreted Revelation closer to the time it was written have more knowledge about it than some view that came around the 17th century. So I tend to go that direction. However. There are people that are a lot wiser than I am when it comes to biblical interpretation that disagree with me, and there are also people a lot wiser than I am who actually agree with me. Nobody has all the goods on Revelation. I'm simply telling you, this is the way I see the book of Revelation, that we all agree that one day, all of these things that are happening in the world are going to intensify. Governments intensify. Authorities intensify. persecution of the church intensifies. All of it intensifies. The problem is we don't know when the end comes because we don't know if this is the worst it's ever going to get. We may think it's as bad as it's ever going to get and the next generation face even more turmoil. That's why I believe the apostle Paul believed it's possible that the coming could happen in his generation because these things were already happening. In John's generation, these things were already happening. But no matter what your view on Revelation, the thing we all agree on, these things will intensify and then comes the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And many in that time will fall away. Some will receive the mark of the beast, which I can't get into until next week. But in the meantime, we hold to the reality that those who endure, patient endurance, and those who walk with Jesus when everybody else is going away from him, when those who have spiritual disciplines in their life to remain out of the flow of the world. Then the Bible says in Revelation 7, 13 through 15, then one of the elders asked me, These in the white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. I'm sorry to be a teacher just for a moment. The reason this is not capitalized in your Bible is this is simply a Greek phrase that talks about suffering throughout the entire church age. There is no one event, in my humble opinion, called the great tribulation day of the Lord is an event. And that's why it's capitalized. But the great tribulation, let me tell you, people ask, are we in the tribulation? Oh yeah. It started right here. It's been going on a long time. And all these types of events in Revelation have been occurring since Jesus established his church, which is why you see seven different visions of heaven in Revelation, because each vision ends with the reality that Jesus is coming back and we're going with him. He goes on to say, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Now, I want you to notice something as I close this time. Who are the ones for which Jesus is coming? They have come out of the great tribulation. That is, they've endured the church age and they've remained faithful. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They know that you're saved by grace through faith, not by works and they serve him day and the night in temple. Now, is that literally, is, is this meant to be taken? Wow, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and the night in the temple. Man, these people never leave the church. No, it's apocalyptic literature. What is the sign? The sign is this. Their entire life is about the work of God. Their entire life primarily is about the work of God. And this, my friends, is the gospel. Salvation by grace through faith Tested and proven by service and worship to Christ the Lamb and their willingness to remain faithful to the end. Folks, there's two types of people in this world. Two types. The one who is living for the kingdom of God. Now you have a life, you have your wife and your children, you get a job, you have a career, you make some money, you try to do a lot of good in the world and all those are fine. You enjoy God's creation, but down deep in your heart, the thing that matters most to you is the coming of the kingdom of God. You can't wait for Jesus to get here. And then there's the type of person, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Yeah, I sing some songs. Yeah, cool thing. Jesus, cool dude, good teacher. depart from me away from me I never knew you you wanted to have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of man and I talked about that in Revelation I said you're lukewarm and I'll spew you out of my mouth (laughs) you know I didn't write those words don't shoot the messenger I will stand before God one day and give an account for every sermon I've ever preached don't you think I know that And I do love you. And you're saved by grace through faith and Jesus paid your sin debt. But I'm trying to tell you there's a natural byproduct in your life when you truly understand what Jesus has done. You don't live ultimately for this world. You live for the kingdom that is to come. We eagerly await a savior. And I'm asking you this weekend, I don't know how you're gonna do it and I don't know how. I'm not sure exactly what you need to do with God. That's between you and God. But there's many of you that will hear this message online, down in New Zealand, Australia, in London, through Europe, and right here, you need to rededicate. Remember that old word? It's rededication time. You realize you're in the flow. It got you. You got habits in your life that are nothing more than godlessness, or probably nothing less than godlessness. And you've been off path and off kilter for so long. It's time to rededicate. Time to say, okay, God, I'm in. You need to repent. I'm in. You know what repentance means, right? You say, I'm sorry for going this way and I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to start living this way. I may not be perfect, God, but I'm really going to get into the Word. I'm really going to try to live the life Christ taught me to live. I know I'm saved by grace. I know it and I'm grateful. And God, I'm not trying to do this to earn some heavenly reward. But I do know that if I've truly experienced Jesus, the kingdom of God becoming a reality in my life should forever be present. So I rededicate. God, I ask you to forgive me for thinking I could just have a cavalier attitude toward the spiritual disciplines of my life, to go to church when it's convenient, to read my Bible if I feel like it. Help me to have the same disciplines as an Olympian. That every day, I'd be tugging on that rope. Every day I'd be pushing back evil and darkness so that I can endure and make it. On the day that Christ returns, he'll look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your joy and your rest. God help us all. God help us all. Father, thank you for hard words. Forgive us where we play around with things like this, and somehow we think that without any effort, we'll just somehow get caught up in the flow of the Spirit without any discipline in our lives, without any real passion in our lives to pursue Christ. Open our eyes to the reality this world is moving us away from Christ. It calls what is evil good and what is good evil. And just as was spoken in the garden in the beginning, We live in a world that constantly questions, did God really say that, when we know in our heart God has given us a roadmap that leads to redemption, repentance, and regeneration. We repent and we follow you in Christ's
0: name. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me want to dance and sing with every single breath I bring. I will bring this up. You are my wonder. You make the wonder. Today. 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 With Jeff Vines.